On this Wednesday installment of Locked On Texans, we will hear from a new Houston Texans beat reporter, DJ Bienemy from yep. ESPN, getting his Woo. thoughts regarding the Texans ahead of training camp on Friday. Let's start the show. You are Locked On Texans, your daily Houston Texans podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. Welcome, everybody, to a Wednesday edition of the Locked On Texan Podcast, a part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I'm John Hickman. This is Cody Davis, guest on the show for today. He's doing the A.B. dance. AB, you know, <laughs> guys, if you guys didn't know, A.B. performed over the weekend at Rolling Loud, and uh, it was terrible. But for today's show, we will have DJ Enemy, the new team member of ESPN Houston. That is going to be an amazing conversation between uh, he and Cody. Got to continue with our storylines, though, Cody. The linebacker group where I think this is a very – how can I put this? I think the linebacker group is a very unique one hmm. because one thing that John Crumpler said when we had him on for Monday's show is, you know, they drafted Christian Harris, who's mm -hmm. great at blitzing, but still a cover two defense, the Tampa two under Lovey Smith. We look at who they also brought in, Jalen Reeves Mabin. Uh, still got Kamu Gougier Hill. Still got Christian Kirksey Cody. When you look at this linebacker group, <clears throat> excuse me, what is the biggest storyline in your opinion heading into training camp? One of the biggest storylines in terms of this linebacking core that I'm looking at is can Garrett Wallow have a strong enough training camp where he can find consistency within Lovey Smith's defensive rotation? And I say that because I do believe that this whole entire linebacking core is probably the deepest in terms of week one against the Indianapolis Colts, I'm not too sure who's going to be starting at the Mike, at the Will, or at the Sam. And in terms of the Sam, as of right now, the depth chart goes, Kamu Grugier-Hill, Kevin Pierre-Lewis, and of course, Garrett Wallow. John, you know me, one of the biggest things, if not my biggest thing that I want to see in terms of the Houston Texans in 2022 is the the development of their young guys to see whether or not it's going to continue. And when I take a look at Gerald Wallow, I look at a guy who really did not see the field much during his rookie season last year. He didn't really start seeing the field till I believe week 11, week 12 of last year and played pretty well appeared in four uh, appeared in five out of the last six games and 20 tackles, one sack, had a couple pressures, like he went out there and showcased that he actually has some talent. He went out there and showcased that, look, hey, I can be one of these foundational guys from the 2021 draft class, from the 2022 draft class that you can really build around and let me be a foundational piece for this organization. And John, I go back and I take a look at how well he looked doing voluntary OTAs, doing mandatory minicamp. Garrett Wallow looked good. And I'm looking at this from a standpoint of if he goes out there and have a really good training camp, if he goes out there and have a, a, a really fine preseason, 
I'm looking at this from a standpoint that Wallow just might be the starting linebacker at the Sam come week one of the regular season. I wouldn't be surprised. This coaching staff in Houston, uh, excuse me, really does like Garrett Wallow and some of his the skill set that he brings to his game, right? Like he is a formal defensive back. I think they like that in terms of him being able to cover and being able to get to his spots quicker sideline to sideline. And I also want to mention that with Christian Harris, who was also coming out of high school, a crazy good mm. cornerback. And uh, these two players, I think, makes this linebacker group unique the most. Uh, because I say that I don't think that they're in a conventional defense as of right now for them. But I think they can be used in unconventional ways to be successful for this defense. You mentioned Kevin Pierre-Lewis. When I look at their depth chart, I like Hill and I like Christian Kirksey over Lewis. I, I'm not really a big fan of Kevin Pierre-Lewis. I think that he may be one of those linebackers that when this season starts may not be here in town. But overall, the storyline for this linebacker group, I think it's vets versus young guys. In terms of, okay, Wallow, where are you going to play out this year? I think he owns his destiny. He controls his destiny right now. I think his situation is a whole lot different from Christian Harris because for Harris, yeah, they drafted you fairly high. So they like you, right? And, and I think he will see the field some part this year. But for Wallow, going into our training camp with a year under your belt playing in the NFL, I think he controls his destiny he may have the opportunity to really beat out some of those vets. And when I look at the vets, are you going to stop guys like Wallow and Christian Harris from taking your jobs? Mm. Christian Kirksey, Kamu Gougier-Hill, Pierre Lewis, Jalen Maben, who I was kind of shocked that Houston decided to sign him. Not necessarily shocked. I, I shouldn't use that word, but I thought that was a very underwhelming signing when Houston brought him in, signed him to his contract over the offseason. But they like him here in Houston as well. So for, for guys like Maven and for the rest of the Cashman, right? He's another young guy. Like, what are they going to do to separate themselves in a defense where on the outside looking in, at least until we get into training camp, we're not 100 percent sure what we should uh what we should expect from this defense because there are a couple of unconventional players that Houston has as young guys for their foreseeable future. One. Hindsight is 2020, and you can't always change the past. But what if you can get a little help from your future self? Okay. All right. Okay. All right. Well, my future self just told me to go ahead and download the Dave app. The Dave app is a banking app that can help you get up to $500 instantly with extra cash. That is more money to fill your tank buy a wedding gift, or catch up on some bills. There's no interest, and there is no credit check needed. Millions of people have already downloaded the Dave app to get the financial relief they need with extra cash. Download the Dave app at the app store, from the App Store right now. That is D-A-V-E. Sign up for extra cash account and get up to $500 instantly. For terms and conditions, go to Dave.com slash legal. Instant transfer fees apply. Banking provided by Evolve, member FDIC. Your future you will thank you. All righty, ladies and gentlemen, welcome back into this Wednesday installment of Locked On Texans. And 
In this business that we work in, a lot of times we are going to get new people out on the beat. And today we have a new beat reporter covering your favorite football team in the Houston Texans. My guy, Daniel from ESPN. Daniel, can you please, you know, I would just take a step. I'm going to just move over and just let you introduce yourself to our listeners and viewers. Well, uh, yeah. <laughs> Yeah, you know, government name, Daniel. Most times I go by DJ. Um, you know, uh, I used to cover the Jets for the New York Daily News. Now I'm here covering the Texans. Um, big adjustment, major adjustment. Um, you know, I'm really excited because um, this challenge is going to be a big one, right? Because mm -hmm. ESPN, the way we cover teams is a lot different than where, like, you know, newspapers or blogs or you know, local TV, how they cover it. We're like more thinking big picture all, all the time, right? It's always like, it's like they call it basically a 30,000 approach. There doesn't foot approach, um, but you're on a local level. So you kind of approach it like you're a national guy, but in reality, you're still a local guy. You just have stories that can captivate a national audience. So mm -hmm. that challenge is very interesting for me. I mean, again, I covered high school um, in 2021, late 2020. So that's kind of like their similar approach. Granted, they're not trying to grasp a national audience, but they want quality over quantity and they want big picture stuff, right? Like you're not, when I was coming high school, you weren't going to cover, um, I guess like, you know, random team A versus random team B playing football. Like there had to be sto like legitimate storylines that could captivate the entire county or the entire, yeah, the entire county or the entire city, whatever that was. Mm -hmm. That's kind of the approach um, that I had when I was covering high school. And that's kind of similar to when I'm now covering, um, you know, the Texas for ESPN, where a lot of things have to be about um, big picture stuff. So, you know, it's going to be a lot of Davis Mills talk, some mm. Brandon Cook talk, um, some Jordan talk to tight end, some John Gennard, Stingley, Jalen uh, Petrie. So, even some, maybe, maybe some uh, Larry Tunsil if, he, if he's um, <laughs> interesting. You know, like yeah. overly interesting. Um, so that's that's the approach versus where I'm covering the Jets. I read about everything under the sun. Like today, um, Makai Becton and uh, Carl Lawson and some other folks, they got activated off the PUP. And I'd have to write about that. Um, mm -hmm. They have to give in-depth analysis on that. About 500, 600, maybe 700 words. Mm -hmm. and, you know, I, I think, you know, if – you put a situation with the Texans, say hypothetically three high pro, higher profile players got off PUP. I might, I wouldn't have to write like a 500, 600, 700 word analysis piece on that, right? I would just have mm -hmm. to put that they just got off the PUP and then keep it pushing and work on my bigger stuff. So it's going to be a lot more bigger projects for me to work on. Mm. Talking about big picture, I don't think there's no player that has a bigger picture entering training camp on Friday than Davis Mills. What are some of your early thoughts about Davis Mills? Uh, it's you know, my impressions, I'm really good at uh, operating the offense. You know, when he trusts his eyes and lets it rip, he, he can make some throws. Um, you know, he really played well down the stretch. 14 touchdowns and five interceptions in the last nine games. Um, completion percentage like around 60, 68, 69. Pass rate of 96. He played, he played good football down the stretch. Um, my only thing is certain games, it seemed that he waited a little bit too late to finally get it going. Like one example, the Rams game when they were down 38, zipping, and then before you know it, 38, 22. 
or like mm-hmm. when they get down twenty one against the Titans, and then he brings it back, which which is good. It's like yo, I want to see this a little bit earlier, you know. So um, yeah, man, you know there there's some things that 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 you like. He has some decent mobility. He can he can extend. He can kind of he can move. Um, he can throw on a run a little bit. Um, you know he he can throw. He he can make every throw you need within the offense. So yeah, I mean there were some things. I understood why the Texans decided to run it back with Davis Mills. Hmm. Speaking of Davis Mills, you actually had an opportunity to cover another guy who actually came during that 2021 draft, Zach Wilson, number two overall. What are some of the what are some of the intangibles that you can see in terms of Mills versus Wilson? And I gotta ask you this: Is it fair to say Davis Mills had a better rookie season than Zach Wilson? Well, I think, yeah, I think Zach, I mean, I think Davis had a better rookie season, but I think Zach's still better and more talented. Like, mm. yeah, like Zach can do things that Davis Mills can't do, you know? Like, mm-hmm. like things that Davis the Mill does well, Zach can do that too. But things that Zach, the what makes Zach tantalizing and intriguing, Davis Mills can't do that, you know? Like the off the off script stuff. Like Davis Mills can do go off script and make some throws, but like when Zach goes off script and he's, he can make some acrobatic throws that not that many quarterbacks in the league can make, like less than 10 guys. Like the Tennessee Titans game, he made some throws that like less than 10 guys, like only like guys like Patrick Mahomes, Josh Allen, Lamar, Kyler Murray, Matt Stafford, Burrow, Herbert, Russell Wilson, like those type of guys. He made them, even Derek Carr, he made throws that those guys could make in, in certain situations. Um, so I think that Davis Mills is more talented. I mean, they might have a better rookie season. Um, Especially when you consider the fact that he, he, he had less talent around him, more mm-hmm. chaotic situation. Um, so he played better for sure. Um, but I think Zach, Zach, if I had to choose between the two, I would still go with Zach because Zach mm. has a lot more physical gifts that can turn into something, you know? Mm-hmm. Wow, wow. You know, I don't I don't know how listeners are gonna, you know, like that answer, but it's okay, it's okay. Right. See right. season two is coming, season two is coming. That's all I have to say. But DJ, you know, along with the New York Jets, the Houston Texans also had a pretty good draft, had an opportunity to draft Derek Stanley. Of course, they went out and got Jaylee Petrie, and they also had an opportunity to go out and draft Damian Pierce. Of course, we all know we was all excited about the arrival of John Mechie, um, but unfortunately, you know, diagnosed with leukemia, most likely out the whole entire season. But what are some of your early thoughts about this Houston Texans draft class? I mean, you know, it's, you got talent for sure. Derek Stingley, extremely talented. That's probably one of my favorite prospects in the draft. I, watch, I watched so much of Derek Stingley. I was watching Derek Stingley like I was a scout because mm. I knew the Jets needed a cornerback. So I watched a lot mm-hmm. of him and I watched a lot of Sauce. Um, so I obviously, I, I, but like I had to watch more Derek because Derek, his best is 20, 2019. So and I watched and I watched some twenty twenty and I watched some twenty twenty one when he was healthy, um, and I and I, and I thought he was the best corner in the draft. I like Jalen Petrie because he is usually around the ball. Like like being a playmaker like Jalen like that is an innate skill. You know like I think he had last year last year in bed had eighteen tackles for loss like. Mm-hmm. That's insane, you know. A couple of interceptions, caught I think two and a half or three and a half sacks. He he was good, man. Like that, like guys that he remind me of Honey Badger, like guys that find the football mm-hmm. and are able to make playmaking type plays. I think he's, he'll probably be one of the more dynamic players in camp, Jalen, because mm-hmm. he's going to be around the football a lot. 
You run the football a lot, you gotta make plays. Um, obviously, unfortunate with the John Meeks situation. Uh, Cause I thought he was gonna be a really good um, key factor for Davis Mills' development. Mm-hmm. But um, you know, and obviously Green to beef up the offensive line. So yeah, they 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 for sure had a good draft. They for sure had a good draft. What are some of your early impressions about the coaching staff? Because as you know, you coming in, you you coming to Houston during a time where everything regarding the Houston Texans is new. And a part of that newness that's going on off of 16 and Kirby is the coaching staff. What are your thoughts about Lovey Smith and, of course, the offensive coordinator and Pep Hamilton? I like Pep Hamilton a lot. Um, I feel like he's a quarterback whisperer. I feel like hmm. he should be a head coach um, or at least be in a, have been in the runnings because he has a lot of the criteria that – um, a lot of owners are quote unquote looking for in a head coach, right? Like, there's a quarterback coach that worked with. He was an OC when Andrew Luck. He mm-hmm. basically he was basically his quarterback coach. He had success with Justin Herbert. Justin Herbert had a breakout rookie year, set records. Um, and who's his quarterback coach? Pat Hamilton. Like we've seen quarterback coaches become head coaches, like um, uh, Zach Taylor, I believe. Ken O. Ken O. Not it's not Ken O'Brien, but Ken O'Connell, who's now the Vikings head coach. He was the Rams quarterback coach. Like, so we've seen it, you know, like if you're if you're mm-hmm. a quarterback, if you're viewed as a quarterback whisperer, you're head coach material. And I think he is that. And I think that this year he's gonna be able to flash a lot of that. Um, Lovey. Um, I'm really intrigued to see how his defense uh continues to evolve. Cause, you know, his style of defense is, I won't use it, it's kinda extinct in the sense that <laughs> he's only I think he's the only guy that runs a tough a Tampa two attack. The only, teams I can think of that even run like a too high approach is was the Broncos last year with Vic Bangio and the Chargers with um, Brandon Staley. So, um, but Tampa too, and they're, they're too high. Look, it's a little bit different where like they just try to make everything look the same and try to protect over the top where lovey. I'm still trying to learn his defense. Mm-hmm. So, um, and just learn the intricacies of it and like what the base principles are. Um, and how they approach, uh, you know, when it comes to a Tampa two attack. And again, like last time he had success, um, I believe Obama was in was in office. So, like, <laughs> in a minute, you know what I'm saying? Like, so I, I really want to see what his evolution has really been like. Because again, like again, like it's been a while since Lovey Smith has been like successful as a head coach. Um, a lot of that, you know, due to talent. You know, like mm-hmm. then day, like you can only be, you know, Tampa. He just didn't have enough. You can only be as good as players that you have like especially in NFL maybe high school you can you know convince you know win with win with less but in college NFL you need talent if you don't have it like every every team that's elite they all have talent like they all have premier playmakers across the board so um I think that kind of hindered him obviously at Illinois and obviously at uh with with the Buccaneers mm-hmm. but he had a lot of success with the Chicago Bears you know so um I just want to see how much can he bring from that era when he was with the Bears? And how much can he tinker it? How much has it evolved? Because, man, the game is so much different. Like, he went Super Bowl mm-hmm. with Rex Grossman. Like, that could never happen in today's game. When you have a quarterback <laughs> that like that that awful, and you could just defense special teams and get you the Super Bowl, you might be able to get to the playoffs like that, round one, and you're going to get smacked. Um, but, uh, you know, the Steelers basically did something similar to that. But – Get a Zubo? Nah, bro. Like, that's not happening. So. <laughs>
Um, DJ, we talked about Davis Mills. We talked about this rookie class. Um, one thing that kind of get lost in the shuffle, because like I mentioned, everything regarding the Houston Texans this season is all new. But there are some veterans still on this roster who are going to play a big role in determining whether or not the Houston Texans will have more success in 2022. So, DJ, can you just talk about who are some of the veterans that you will be looking out for when training camp starts on Friday? John Gennard. I mean, he should be mm. a double digit sack guy. I mean, he had exactly. He be double digit sack guy. Um, I'm really interested to see what Desmond King does this year. Um, just as he continue to see coming, he he kind of had a little bit of a bounce back year last year. So I mean, I'm intrigued to see how he looks. I want to see what Brandon Cook can. Brandon Cooks again uh, get another thousand yards. Cause, I mean, I think right now he's like top. I think he's 11th all time in receiving yards for a receiver who hasn't made a Pro Bowl. I could believe it. Yeah, because, I mean, he it's really kind of crazy he's never made one. Like, in terms of receiving yards from his draft class, because he's he's third in his receiving in his draft class in terms of yards receiving. He's third. He's sandwiched between um, Devontae Adams and, I believe, Odell. Either Odell or Jarvis. I got to double check. But he, he, mm-hmm. he's, in that, he's, in that, he's in that bubble. Um, and, like, between him and between uh, Mike Evans, Devontae Adams, Odell, Jarvis Landry, Allen Robinson, They've all combined for 18 Pro Bowls. And he is third in that class, and he has no Pro Bowl appearances. You know what I'm saying? He has multiple 1,000-yard receiving seasons. It don't matter who the quarterback is, Jared Goff, Davis Mills slash Tyrod Taylor. Uh, Obviously, he had Brady, he had Breeze. But, again, like, the quarterback does not matter. System don't matter. He going to get it done. So, I'm I'm going to see how he 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 does again um, this year. I mean, I think he – you know, if I had to pick a fantasy guy for the Texans, um, fans should be drafting. I'll probably draft him. I'll probably draft Brandon Cooks because, hello, <laughs> like, who else he going to throw the ball to? I mean, I, you know, Nico Collins is straight. You know what I'm saying? He has some talent. He's growing. Of course, you know, you have Chris Collins. I mean, uh, no, Chris Conley. Chris Conley. You know, you have Philip Dorsett. But, What's, again, like, I'm, I'm sorry to cut you off. Don't put your money on Chris Conley. He was a big disappointment last season. <laughs> but, but, but even then, like, again, like, like, that's my point. Go back to my point. Like, Brandon mm-hmm. Cooks is, like, the number one guy bona fide. Like, like the team I was covering last was just, like, they have three guys that you can say going into this year, okay, he could be the number one. Elijah Moore, uh, the, the second-round pick from last year. Garrett Wilson, the first-round pick from this year. Corey Davis, the guy that that's making, like, $12, $12 million this year. Like, you, you, can, you can have that debate. The Texans ain't no debate. Cooks is their guy. That is the number one option. Hmm. Um, DJ, last question before getting out of here. Um, last year, as you know, there was a lot going on with this franchise. Matter of fact, there's a lot going on with this franchise the last two seasons. For right. you on the outside looking in, what was some of your early impressions? Um, you know, everything that was going on with this franchise, and what are some of the things that you were looking for in general as you start on this new beat covering the Texans? Uh, I mean, uh, it was for sure dysfunctional across the board. Top. <laughs> that I read, you know, but again, you know, they're making progress for sure. Like it it looks like they finally have um, a rebuild of some sort where like, okay, now we're trying to build up the roster. They just need to figure out is Lovey going to be the long-term answer. Cause again, like based on people that I've talked to, um, whether reporters, et cetera, it just seemed like Josh McCown was, was, was one, was a big target. And they ended up pulling pulling with Lovey Smith. Lovey Smith came out of nowhere. So again, like, is he really the guy long term? Just it's something like David Cudley, like David Cudley, like came out of nowhere too, and then boom, was done after one year. I don't think Lovey be done after one year because 
you know, basically, again, I've talked to, like, David just seemed kind of incompetent, kind of in over his head, which is, you know, it is what it is. You know, not everybody's built to be a head coach of an NFL team. You know, David Cudley, you know, respected him. He took, took the challenge on. It didn't work out. He's still good. I mean, his whole contract was guaranteed. That brother is set. Hmm. So, uh, but, you know, I think with Lovey, he just he's got long term. But, again, you're going to go so much. You only go so far without, the, without talent. So, they got to continue to rebuild up this roster. Um, so it's gonna be a bumpy. It's gonna be a bumpy approach. It's gonna be a bumpy road. Cause rebuilds, you know, you gotta break it. The best rebuilds are when you break it down to the bone, and then you back down to the dust, down to the ground, and then you build it up that way. Cause then if you build up correctly, you can have a strong infrastructure. Mm. DJ, the new beat reporter covering the Houston Texans for ESPN. DJ, really quick, where can our listeners and viewers follow you at on all of your social media platforms? Oh, yeah, just DJ be on the and yeah, I'm right there at the Twitter or Instagram. <laughs> Sounds good, appreciate it, my guy. No problem. BetOnline.net is the fastest and easiest way to check in on all of your favorite betting needs, find all of your favorite sports events at the number one online source for odds, lines, and games. Find reviews and news of every league, including Major League Baseball, NFL, NBA, NHL, combat sports esports, even golf. Head to betonline.net today or use your mobile device to learn more about the trends happening today because BetOnline is where the game starts. Thanks for making Locked On Texans your first listen today. Now make your second listen to Locked On NFL Podcast. Our national NFL experts and insiders keep fans dialed in with the biggest stories and the latest news from around the league because an offseason doesn't equal a break in the action and we will get kind of everything's getting back ready to go cody uh training camp for a lot of the teams in the nfl started yesterday on tuesday Mm -hmm. texas get everything fully kicked off on friday (sighs) i can smell the fresh wet football grass as the (laughs) nfl season is officially upon us in a couple of weeks we get some training camp uh, preseason games that's going to be very important really quick before we talk about your conversation you had with dj where the hell is will fuller <laughs> man um whew, that that is a good question as a matter of fact i'm glad that you oh mentioned my will god what happened to fuller <laughs> and, uh, it's kind of funny that you mentioned will fuller because given everything that's going on um with john mechie unfortunately of course Everyone has been talking about giving their take on who the Houston Texans should go out and sign. And a lot of the players that came up, you know, um, Danny Amendola, he's retired. I heard some people talking about um, Julio Jones, if he was able to take a lesser role. He's going to the Tampa Bay Buccaneers, so he is also off the market. But I saw some people talking about a possible reunion with Will Fuller. John Will Fuller is still out there on the free agency market. Um, you know, we had a very interesting time here with Will Fuller. Do you think and and look, no. if if there was a reunion to take place between Fuller and the Houston Texans, it'll be a whole new atmosphere for Fuller because almost, almost everybody except for ownership are gone. <laughs> so, uh, you know what I think if Will Fuller walked into the clubhouse, he he would his locker room would probably start in the doghouse. The moment 
it, it might it uh, might because you know you, now you have guys like philip dorsett devion davis chris conley chris moore like those are four guys that we are looking at in terms of if they bring in will fuller he's not going to be you know wide receiver number two wide receiver number three like he was doing his heyday here with the houston texans a couple years ago oh uh, he would definitely beat out the likes of Chris Conley and I don't uh, know, like you Chris mentioned, I, I, I don't know if he's healthy. Well, first of all, he he got to say healthy. Yeah, so what's going on with Philip? You know, you and DJ talked about uh some interesting. He said that uh Davis Mills is a uh, had a better season, but Zach Wilson is more talented. Yes, you know, I'm not 100 against that. Honestly, I can I can see the logic behind it. But you know, and let me say this: I know your reaction. I can look at you right now. They have only been in the NFL for one year, so when you look at his statement, who had the better year, Davis Mills? But talent-wise, well, there was a reason why scouts had Zach Wilson, who eventually did go in the first round, go in the first round. They believe that he has a uh, second round. No, pick number two. That's why I was like, pick number two. Uh, Yeah, I meant to say take a pick. But uh, they they really like him, right? And so I think he does have the talent, and people are still going kind of like Madden. They're Mm. still going based off of what they originally saw, and it's only been one year. Uh, Again, perfect example, I think, of at their prime, who's a better quarterback, Tom Brady or Aaron Rodgers? Who'd you take? Tom Brady. But, and of course, I'm sure 98% of everybody watching football would. But when you look at some of the things Aaron Rodgers or, better yet, Patrick Mahomes is able to do with that football at the quarterback position, talent-wise, yeah, they they are the more talented quarterback. They're not the better Mm -hmm. quarterback. They're not the GOAT quarterback because Tom Brady has been able to kind of accomplish everything you can (laughs) do in the NFL. But – there's still some things that I can't explain to certain people that I've seen Patrick Mahomes and Aaron Rodgers do in terms of making certain throws. That's because there's a certain talent level there. Uh, kind of like when we look at what Lamar Jackson's able to do compared to some other guy. Like talent-wise, Lamar Jackson is 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 here. But is he the better quarterback than some of the order like Colin Murray? I like he's got his contract, and I think that contract is ridiculous, but Talent and better are two different things. So I can understand his logic behind Davis Mills being better, Zach Wilson being more talented. Yeah, and I can see where you're coming from, and I now see more where um, DJ was coming from as well. And it kind of goes hand-to-hand as, like, you know, to keep it to second-year quarterbacks, you know, Justin Fields versus Davis Mills. Davis Mills did have the better season, but Justin Fields is, you know, a lot more talented. Um, and, And I can understand that. But at the same time, John, you know me, every time there's a ranking of second-year quarterbacks, I just hate seeing this gap between guys like Fields, guys like Wilson, um, guys like Trey Lance, guys like Trevor Lawrence be, be on this side of the spectrum, and then you have Davis Mills way over here on the other side. And I'm like, look, I understand he doesn't have the name and you know, to your point, he may not be as talented uh, as as the rest of those guys. And I do think everybody, in terms of second year quarterbacks, I think we're going to get the like the the best out of all of them this season because all of them have so much to prove. 
But at the same time, I just wish that Davis Mills' name, not saying DJ, you know, didn't do this, but I just wish Davis Mills' name just get a little bit more respect like the rest of those second-year quarterbacks because outside of Mac Jones, everybody had a terrible year if we could just keep it 100. Yeah, and I think the respect that they're – Excuse me, that they're getting is still coming off the expectations of mm-hmm. where they what what they were projected to be coming into the draft and once they got drafted. Um, but I, I totally agree. I think here on the show, man, what we have to stop doing is kind of campaigning for meals a little bit and just allow the entire year, the process to just go on for each and every one of those quarterbacks because we're going to beat a dead drum until he goes out there and. You know, hey, please prove us guy. right. Please prove us right, Davis Mills. Yeah, I don't, if I don't not, wanna, boy. I don't want to hear Sarge. <laughs> I don't want to hear Sarge. I don't want to hear Brandon. I don't want to hear, I don't, uh, I don't wanna hear run, DJ. I don't. Oh, God. Definitely me. don't want to hear Ron. Like, I've been campaigning for Davis Mills for so long. I'm like, David, Davis, if you run across this podcast, please, please have a decent season because I can't take it. I cannot take it. I have a bet with my mother in law. Uh, 35 plus 100 yards, 26, 25 plus TDs, 13 and under interception. Whoever wins has to treat the other person to uh, a steak dinner. I think it like Perry's or something like that. So, uh, Davis, I ain't got it, man. Uh, (laughs) So, we need you to go out there and and, and succeed. (laughs) Thank you guys for checking out today's episode of the Locked On Texan Podcast. Be sure to subscribe. On YouTube, find us under Locked On Texans. Follow me on Twitter at John underscore Hickman12. And also follow the Locked On Texans Twitter page at Locked On Texans. And as always, I'm your host, Cody Davis. Please remember to follow me on Twitter at Cody Davis underscore 24. Once again, that's Cody, C-O-T-Y-D-A-V-I-S underscore 24. Until next time, ladies and gentlemen, peace.